Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today we're going to get hardcore tech on everybody. And as many of you know, I absolutely love technology. It's super duper fun. I'm an early adopter, probably earlier than I should be on some things. And today, so we've got Jeremy Carnell. He's the President and Chief Operating Officer at Truelytics Incorporated. And I'm really excited about learning from him because as I was preparing for the podcast, I realized I actually don't truly understand what Truelytics does and how it works. But I have been told because he was referred to us that it's wicked important. So I'm really excited to learn. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Happy to be here. Okay, brother. Let's let's just dive right in. Uh, what? So sure. first off, what, what is your history? How did you get involved with this level of technology? So I am a serial entrepreneur. I graduated college in 1993, which put me at a wonderful place in being able to start my career when the internet became commercially available. So I thought I was originally going to be a lawyer and ended up going down this tech path because how often is it that a generation actually gets to live through one of those periods, right? I, I was naive enough to think that the industrial revolution was the last major economic revolution we'd ever see in our lifetimes. And here we are, I you know, graduated as an undergrad and I said, this is amazing. So I, I paved my own path. I've been a serial entrepreneur. I actually started my entrepreneur experience in the marketing lane and in the digital marketing lane in 1993, grew a firm from zero to about a hundred million dollars in gross revenue with offices, three or four offices in the United States, London, Singapore, Sao Paulo, exited from that in 2012, and then uh, went and created a new startup monetizing some IP out of Harvard, and that was called OfferGraph. It was an early stage multi-tenant SaaS platform that allowed brands to identify, connect, and monetize relationships with key influencers. We sold that to Polygraph Media here in Austin, Texas, where I now live. Uh, that was back in 2014. And in 2016, through a mutual acquaintance, I met Terry Mullen, who was the one who I uh, really identified this intellectual property that was uh, being held by an investment bank, and, and, and they were doing nothing with it. And so he wanted to pull together a team, buy the technology, and we launched officially into TrueLytics officially in 2017. Okay. So let's talk about the technology component yes. of this. So, so you use yes. the word SaaS, which is something that we hear all the time. And according yes. to you know your your LinkedIn connection, which by the way, everybody, you need to connect with him on LinkedIn. Uh, it's spelled J-E-R-E-M-I. So make sure that you have his, his name. But it says here, uh, it is a leading business intelligence SaaS platform in the wealth yep. management sector. So what, what does that mean? Yes. Software as service, okay, and, and, and software as service became very popular when web applications began to take over from traditional software that, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, we're so used to installing on our laptops and then installing updates, things of that nature. Web applications changed all of that, where you could go online, everything was in the cloud, and, and so and everything began to become subscription-based. 
And so that's really what a software service means. And so we created a web application that really has two core audiences. One is, is that we help wealth management enterprises and we define those as independent broker dealers, asset managers, custodians, OSJs, large multi-office RIAs. We help them attract, grow and retain advisory businesses while really reducing the time and costs related to transitions. And so transitions cover the gamut. And, and in this industry in particular, just everything seems to be in transition. We were talking about from a recruiting standpoint, from a practice management standpoint and helping ver, uh, independent financial advisory firms grow their business and grow their intrinsic value from protecting that asset through um, an unplanned secession or an emergency continuity event, as well as then giving that asset a path, uh, an exit or strategic acquisition through a matchmaking service. So there's all of these critical transitions that happen throughout the life cycle of a financial advisory firm. We're helping the wealth management enterprises that work with them offer that, uh, primarily because we're in the midst of a great transition. You know this, the, economic, mm -hmm. uh, the, the demographic dynamics associated with the wealth management industry, which over-indexes on uh, personnel that's really getting ready to retire. That's, uh, I think the calculation is like $30 trillion of assets under management that could transition during that time in the next 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's really incumbent upon these wealth management enterprises, broker dealers, et cetera, that really want to see those assets under management be retained, help those independent financial advisory firms connected with them uh, transition in a way that uh, that really helps them be able to keep those assets. And at the same time, then the exchange in value for the independent financial advisory firm is helping their business grow, diagnose the health and wellness of that business so that at the point of transition, they're going to maximize their value. So, trans I mean, transition also is where a lot of things go wrong, Jeremy. I mean, that's where yeah, you know, know there's all sorts of hiccups and you got to contact yeah. the client five or six times because you screwed yeah. something up. I don't want you to give away your secret sauce. <laughs> to be honest, dude, I don't think our, our listeners would totally understand what the sauce was anyway. But, but how? How do you do that? I yeah. mean, how does your yeah. how does the platform help make it so that those hiccups don't happen as frequently? Yeah, so not a problem. So, so I said earlier that we're really looking to solve some of the transactional costs related to transitions in wealth management. So when I mean transactional, really it's time and money, right? So let's look at um, transitions across those two, those through those two lenses. So it's an expensive process, right? Recruitment, internal broker dealers. Uh, external recruiters, they take in high fees, uh, percent of salary, like five to 10% in addition to collecting retainer. Uh, unplanned secession, those could cost uh, anywhere between 10, 15, $20,000 uh, to be able to find a partner, business broker. And, and they typically, business brokers typically charge 10% commissions on the value of that business. Planned secession, that could be anywhere between 10 to $100,000 and usually involves other uh, professional services, business brokers, attorneys, and sometimes accountants, and then M&A, right? M&A in 2018, I think Forbes indicated that 2017 saw the highest accumulation of M&A advisory fees for the top five banks, which ended up being like $10.2 billion. And that was record breaking. And so there's just an enormous amount of money that that is part of that process. And then it takes an enormous amount of time. And so what our platform does 
is we, it's made up of four distinct modules. Uh, so Truelytics is made up of a module called True Recruit, uh, which is really focused on the, at the enterprise level, the recruiting, the marketing, and the finance uh, personnel. And it's really geared to helping them uh, sort of throw away the Excel spreadsheets, have an online intake form in recruiting, have that sync then with their sales force, and then be able to take that data and look at it against our da we, our database. We have 7,500 independent financial advisory firms in the database, making it the largest of its kind in the United States. Then they can look at those prospects against our industry benchmarks. And so once they close a prospect, that prospect says, yes, I'm going to move from this broker dealer to this, you know, uh, this broker dealer. Then our next module, which they move into, is called true performance. And that then moves into the practice management group. The practice management group uses true performance. It's a seven-step intake process. We diagnose, as I said earlier, the health and wellness of that business uh, through offering them 50 different key performance indicators, which includes four standard valuations, and give the practice manager and the firm owner a quantitative ability to be able to see where in their business they need to focus on to drive the intrinsic value of that business. So at the time of an exit, uh, they're going to maximize that. Then the last two modules are made up and focused solely on the succession planning groups. And, th and those are emerging uh, faster than, than I ever thought would occur. Like in almost every one of our major enterprise customers, and we have a lot of them, they all, almost all of them have dedicated succession groups within them. And so we have what's called true continuity, which we just launched. Uh, ironically, the week that we all were told to uh, shelter in place because of the pandemic, <laughs> like this is the irony. I, I, I just it's it's beyond me. Um, and so true continuity allows firms to be able to have a secure online vault that allows them to store all of the different important documents related to emergency continuity. Uh, it's tied to a workflow. So you identify who your continuity contact is. That continuity contact can unlock the vault. If they unlock the vault, it sends a workflow email and automated emails out to everyone that is supposed to be notified about that. Their, their lawyer, their business partners, the, the independent broker dealer, custodian and asset managers that they want to know about that. And, and it also then, because true performance uh, is able to diagnose the health and wellness of that firm, it puts a time date stamp on the overall value and health and wellness of that asset at the time that locker was unlocked. The final module is true performance, and that's actually the only one that hasn't been launched officially yet. We're still in development of that. It's earmarked to, do, uh, to launch actually in 2020. Uh, we were pushing to have that launched in Q1 until the world went sideways. And so we've decided <laughs> to uh, really take our time with that and, and uh, make sure all of the business requirements are dialed in before we get that launch. Uh, but that's a online matchmaking solution. And it's really geared towards private matchmaking within wealth management enterprises. So if you're a Cetera or an LPL or an advisor group or a Cambridge, uh, it's you really want to be able to see planned secessions happen within your network of affiliated advisory firms. Absolutely. That's what that helps with. It, it, each module for each stage of the life cycle from recruiting, again, to practice management, to secession, both unplanned and planned. Okay. Well, let's talk about, so this is the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. And so when you're talking yes. about the analytics or really taking, a, a, you know, the pulse of the firm uh, in that phase two, right? Um, 
How yeah. does marketing play in that? I mean, do you ask those questions? And if so, how do you provide solutions to them so that the advisors can focus on what they should be focusing? Because that's anything about what you've done here is you're once again removing some of the noise, some of the frustration that financial advisors have so they can focus on what they do best. Well, in our podcast world, uh, you know, we want to be able to make sure that they're also able to market more successfully, which we believe yeah. in. In fact, I just uh, interviewed David Grout Jr. from Succession Resource Group. Yeah. And one of the things that David had said was, you know, uh, practices valued higher through transition if they have a solid marketing plan that provides them consistent, you know, ideal clients. So help me with that. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not focused on that side of the industry, the, the demand generation side of the industry. This is more internal firm optimization from a business standpoint. And but but you can view it through this lens. Uh, so we are in, interested in ensuring that the firm positions its brand and is able to market itself effectively to potentially strategic partners or any other place that where they're planning to make a move. So this is less about sort of B2C demand generation. This is more about B2B demand generation. One of the things that I really like uh, uh, where I see Truelytics offering value is that and I've said this multiple times uh, internally and, and, and to clients as well, is that it's a system that allows firms to be able to generate or at least convey a positive bias. And what I mean by that is you might have heard of the life insurance company, Health IQ. It, you may have seen this in your Facebook feed. They're the ones that have the ads that say if you run an eight minute mile or if you cycle 50 miles a week, you can save money on your life insurance. They do that. Because, and I've gone through this process with them, uh, and because uh, I'm a cyclist and I use Strava to track my cycling. I uh, generally cycle between 60 to 120 miles a week. And, and I share that data with a life insurance company and it was able to get a really aggressive quote because of that. Wow. And they're doing that because health insurance companies determine their rates basically on the lowest common denominator, right? Their risk pool really determines how much people pay. So if you're a health insurance company, that is able to only attract the healthiest, then you're able, you're going to be able to pass those savings on to mm -hmm. that population. And so mm -hmm. I view Truelytics for an individual or an independent financial advisory firm as the Strava or the Apple Watch that is able to give you that tracking data that you're able to share then with an independent broker dealer that you want to switch to or a firm that you want to merge with to be able to show and be transparent about the health and wellness of your firm. There's not a lot of systems that do that. And so on one end, those, and, and even if your, even if your numbers in our system, even if your key performance indicators aren't the best, that actually is secondary to the fact that you went through the process to begin with. If you're serious enough, especially in this industry, an industry that's made up of really lifestyle businesses, and that's, that's the challenge that's faced that the industry is faced with right now. You've got this great transition, massive amount of baby boomers that potentially are going to retire in the next 15 years, a massive amount of boomers that didn't really treat their business as a real business for a long time. And so this is a path to be able to start to do that, to take, to be able to convey to any, any player or any partner that you're wanting to engage with, that you're taking your business seriously, that you've been able to assess the health and wellness, that here's the data that shows where both I'm thriving as well as where I might need assistance. And, uh, and that then I believe puts you in a different sort of population of maybe other firms that 
haven't taken those steps, that don't have that information, that aren't sincere about really optimizing their business for that critical transition time. So uh, I always go back to the marketing mind, right? And yeah. so uh, a part of that is just because that's just how my brain works. But but it also works with how do we reduce the distractions and the fears and the uh, discomfort of financial services professionals so that they can focus on what they should truly focus on. And mm-hmm. so, so if I'm acquiring a practice, right? So if I'm going through all of this and I'm looking yeah. at the health and wellness of a practice that I'm acquiring, because there's going to be a lot of those here in the next 10 years. I mean, there are a lot of people who are getting out of the biz, right? Um, right. And if you have the opportunity to say, oh my gosh, well, this is, this is a much healthier practice than this. Here are the things that they need to work on. Is that part of my unique ability? Your competence then when you go to start marketing to your new audience is going to be way higher because you have yeah. a much better... Uh, looking under the hood. And so, Jeremy, so that's been one of the issues that I've had. And David and I had a really fun conversation about this on our last podcast was, you know, really asking about how do you look under the hood? Right. And they have a very comprehensive question. But you're talking about looking under the hood. You're talking about like doing a, you know, a plug in diagnostic on your car and really getting a good. Is that a good uh, analogy? So so that's a that's a great analogy. uh, And that's where we are right now where we're headed is taking that a couple of altitudes up or several altitudes up uh, where we're looking to really zillify the entire succession space within wealth management, right? I think that's one of the things that uh, Zillow succeeded at, that Expedia succeeded at, that Glassdoor exceeded at was making uncommon knowledge common. And so, Yes, right now, in order for someone to really extract value out of our system, they log in, they go through a seven-step intake process, they get these detailed diagnostics, uh, and they have a a, a roadmap on how to increase the value of their firm, as well as then that then is then tied to an emergency continuity solution. So all of that data is then associated with a locker, and all of that data is then associated with your matching profile, right? Uh, what we want to do and where we're headed and what we'll probably be able to uh, roll out by the end of the year is really take that from out, take, take that from an experience that's right now inside the four walls of Truelytics and you have to be a subscriber to see to really becoming more transparent. We're, we have a database of 7,500 uh, independent financial advisory firms we're able to make pretty accurate estimates on the overall value of the entire independent industry. Mm-hmm. And so pulling together more public pages, just like Zillow did about the uh, the overall value of your house. And it's an estimate, it's generally always lower than what you think it is, but it's a date, they've got what public landing pages associated with every house in the United States mm-hmm. related to what that looks like. Given the amount of transitions that are about to happen in this space, uh, given that it's a space that has an over-dependence on consultants and professional services to assist with those transitions, we're headed towards the path of, of, again, that mantra of making uncommon knowledge common. And so if we can help the industry elevate and be able to understand where everyone sits and from an estimate standpoint, then allow those people to be able to not only see that, then be able to connect Uh, be able to work on that together, then we see that as potentially being a big driving force in the 
in the in the, in the coming tsunami of transitions. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a heck of a wave, isn't it, man? Uh, right. So, that's right. Uh, so you use the word subscribers, uh, yes. and one of the things that I'm sure you have experienced as much as uh, anybody who's in fintech at all is is uh, adoption, right? Yes. I mean, our, you know, a lot of advisors are, are, are older on the scale and yeah. some of them aren't as tech savvy. So how are you making the interface or the process um, as convenient as something like Zillow so that you're not going to get that technological yeah. resistance? Yeah. Well, I even have data around this. So when we bought the intellectual property from the investment bank back in 2016 and launched it in 2017, we launched it as is. And that was a, a, a soft, uh, basically a web application that really wasn't optimized for the best experience. And me with my marketing background, and especially within my marketing background, I've, I think I, I've, bought, I've bought three or four user, usability agencies globally in my lifetime. And so I, I used to have a staff of 15 PhDs that used to work for me around this. And so I take it very seriously. And it was one of the things that always bugged me about the IP when we bought it. I said, this is one, it's, it doesn't even meet current standards. Two, given our population of who we're dealing with, it's going to make things even worse. And then three, we're an online, we're, we offer an online tool. This is our, our brand is tied with that experience. So it's not a website and the application. It's not just about the storefront and about the signage. It's really about everything. It's about what's on the shelf and then what you bring to the register and then how you use that product afterwards. All of that is so intrinsically tied together with an online business that we had to really take a step back and redesign the entire experience. Uh, and we did that. We did that from the middle of 2017 to the middle of 2018. And in that time frame, our monthly reoccurring revenue was probably like $1,500 a month. When we launched the new experience in the middle of 2018, between the middle of 2018 and the middle of 2019, and this again is purely driven really around an enhanced user interface that made the application a lot easier to use, as well as having an enterprise focus, we went from 1,500 MRR to $120,000 a month in monthly reoccurring revenue. So the data right there tells you enough. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. so that drove the demand uh, but but we still really require a lot of work with our enterprise customers, the practice management group and succession groups to educate all of, uh, you know, all of the users on the value of the platform, help them uh, in many cases in areas in which they potentially still can get stuck. And then uh, throughout the entire thing, make sure that we have a customer success team that is on really the ready six able to answer any specific question anyone has at any given time. And we've done, I think, a very good job at that. Last year, we ended, we, we measure our net promoter score on a quarterly basis. And 75 is considered world-class. We ended 2019 at a 70. And Ooh. that is unheard of yeah, in, in, in financial services. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't mean we're out of the woods. I mean, it, it's, it's a constant it's a, it, it's, it's definitely a journey. Okay. And so we still have a lot more work we know we need to do. So. Well, let, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, pause and, and take a look at your journey a little bit more. Right. So you said that yeah. you're an avid cycler, right? Uh, so yeah. you know, what, what, uh, what turned you on about that? Uh, so I used to be a track and field guy in, oh. um, back in, uh, the eighties and early nineties, I grew up in, in Northern Indiana. I think you, if I read We're your LinkedIn profile, other, 
Yeah. No, Cal- my my father actually went to Western Michigan, uh, <laughs> and I spent uh, half my childhood in Kalamazoo. So oh my gosh! I, uh, I know, <laughs> and so. So anyway, during this time, I um, was a big track and field guy, and then I got into rowing in college hmm. and did a lot of rowing after college, which I loved, uh, but, and then had my sort of startup experience uh, and married late and had my first marriage, uh, obviously my only marriage, um, in, in my, um, I think we got married when I was 40, right? We hmm. met when I was like 37. Our, we had our first children when we were 40, 41. They're now obviously seven, nine years old, but- being in my early to mid forties and in in my third startup, I realized that uh, I had stopped working out. Oh. <laughs> I needed to find something to do to get me back into the shape that I I used to be in. And my wife thankfully bought me a Peloton for Christmas nice. two or three years ago, and that happened at the same time that we had a neighbor move into a, a next door. Actually, a financial advisor who had just retired at 48 years old uh, and uh, now decided to spend his retirement cycling. And so he heard I got a Peloton. He was all about cycling. So I got a road bike and he showed me the ropes and that's what happened. So now with with your being a serial entrepreneur, I'm sure that there are yes. missteps that you have made. Uh, oh, in a, yes. <laughs> yeah. Would you yes, mind? Uh, so so let's talk about some of the things that you've learned, because a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, have OBAs, uh, outside business activities, right? They have other businesses that yep. they're involved in. And when yep. you look back on, on your serial entrepreneurship, what are some of the biggest lessons that you think that you've learned that our audience could find benefit in? Uh, so one is to, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're going to invariably have successes and failures. And I've had both uh, and in and, 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 and the most dramatic ways possible. Like I have the best successes and I've had the worst failures. And one of the things that I've learned in that whole experience is really to not be so hard on myself about that. That's probably been the biggest lesson I've learned as an entrepreneur that uh, with seeing both the good times and the bad, uh, it's really during those bad times that I, I originally took those failures personally, uh, versus viewing them as an invaluable education. Right. And indeed those times more than any other times, it was those times that played such an instrumental role in all of my successes to date. So that, that took a while. I mean, I started my entrepreneurial career when I was 23 years old, here I am 49. And so the 23 year old Jeremy, the 28 year old Jeremy, the 35 year old Jeremy, man, did I struggle a lot with um, trying to rationalize those failures. And here I am now closing in on 50. And I'm like, why did I ever spend the time stressing about that? (laughs) So to, uh, to, to begin to wrap up today's podcast, um, and before I have the opportunity for, for people to find out how to connect with you and, and be involved with, with your system here, um, you've obviously learned from those mistakes, right? And so you, yes. what, what are some of the things, if, if somebody says to you, Jeremy, you know, what's the best business book you've ever read? Or, or Jeremy, what's the best TED talk you've ever heard? Or what do you find is that one thing that you give away like all the time as that one thing that you think was a huge key component of your success? So I would urge everyone to read The Infinity Game by Simon Sinek. Hmm. And that is a business book that really 
is focused on the idea of stay in the game. Always stay in the game. Run your business so that you've got the runway to stay in the game. That's all, that's what it's about. So don't, uh, if, if you need to make hard decisions about your OPEX, if you need to make hard decisions about your, the financial situation of your firm so that you buy yourself more time, do that. You have to do that. I failed to do that in some of my early startups and those, that's what drove a lot of my, uh, I would say a lot of the failures that I had is that I didn't have that mindset that the whole thing, the whole point of the startups is to play the game and play the game until you win and you have to make every decision you possibly can to keep yourself in that. And I think that book is a, is a Bible on that whole nice. topic. So I would highly recommend it. Well, in, in, so my follow-up question to that is how do you win? Right. So, so what does win? winning mean to you? I mean, you've, you've said that you've, you know, you've had some missteps. So, so with this yeah. system that you guys have Truelytics, what, yeah. what is a win for you? How do you know that you've crossed that finish line and you're like, dude, I did it. Yeah. So I've already won in some respects. So half of it has won. I wake up every morning, not believing that I make I, people pay me to do what I do. That's <laughs> half the battle is, is doing that. If you do that, that's the secret to life. You just are like, if you're doing what you do and you do it well, and people pay you to do that. That's I, I, that's a win in my book. Now, I would love to see an exit with Truelytics. If we get acquired by a you know a huge wealth management enterprise or a big tech platform in the wealth management space, then that obviously adds the financial security uh, that everyone's looking to have. That affords me more time to spend with my wife and children. Then. That's the other side of the equation is spending more time with family and having the, the freedom to do that. Uh, I would say the third leg of that stool would be then to give back to the community as much as I possibly can. So uh, again, being happy with what you do, spending time with your family and having the resources to do that. So, uh, and and then being able to give back as much as people have given me throughout my whole life is, is really what I would see as success. Well, all men to that, brother. That's absolutely fantastic. And and I think that's truly what the majority of people are looking for. So now if somebody wants to reach out to you and, and get involved in, in Truelytics, uh, what is the best way for that you the, them to do that? Just go to Truelytics.com. There is a contact form there that people could fill out that gets sent both to me as well as my business partner, Terry Mullen, who's the CEO. So we would get that immediately. You could find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, any of the social platforms, I'm there. Uh, again, it's J-E-R-E-M-I. That's how my parents decided to spell my name, which I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for because it's unique. <laughs> but, uh, but you can look me up, Jeremy Carnell, on any of those platforms. Feel free to connect with me in any way, shape, or form. My email is jeremy at truelytics.com. So feel Wonderful. free to email well, we'll me make sure, Jeremy, too. that we have links in our show notes for all of that. Perfect. And thanks, dude. This was uh, fascinating to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope that the, the line of questioning that I, I had for you uh, was good. But I do want to say that my favorite question, which I have not asked you that to wrap up today's podcast is, is there something I should have asked you? Because, you know, I do prepare for these and I want to make sure that I, I'm covering all of my bases. Were there any questions I should have asked you that I didn't that you think our audience should hear? Um, so. Uh, think about that. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So. I would, I would ask, 
why this is important for enterprises, why what we're doing is so important um, for the wealth management industry and specifically wealth management enterprises. Uh, I was what I said earlier about the fact that our systems both reduce time and cost related to transitions. Take a look at as a well as anyone in the front office or any executive of part of these enterprises that is facing all of these transitions as a potential massive impact on your business. Look at your systems. Look at the time and the costs associated with the traditional way you're going about managing transitions uh, from recruiting, practice management, all the way to succession. And if that's not, and, and if anything the pandemic taught us, it's how important digital platforms are in keeping businesses sustainable, even through rough times, then I would uh, highly recommend that when you go through that assessment, look at Trulytics and look at now new ways to be able to manage uh, processes that have traditionally, again, been pretty professionally services driven. And, and if that can help both you retain, uh, both attract, uh, grow, as well as then retain those assets, that's the win. So, Fantastic. Jeremy, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. You got it. Really appreciate being here. All right, Jeremy Carnell, President and Chief Operating Officer of Trulytics Incorporated. Uh, make sure you go to trulytics.com. We'll make sure that we have all of those links in the show notes. And also, if you haven't picked up that Simon Sinek book, please do. It's unbelievable and can be game-changing and philosophically changing on how you truly look at where you are and where you want to go. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And finally, if you have any guest ideas or topics that you'd like for us to cover here on the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast, all you have to do is email me, Matt, at topadvisorm.com. So for everybody at Trulytics and everybody here at Top Advisor Marketing, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.